Oh man, I think ESPN FC changed their like changed the layout of their website a little bit again and once again have made it difficult to navigate. They were they were doing all right. Yeah, they heard you getting too comfortable on the last episode and were like he's on to us. We got to we got to mix it up. He's too he's too comfortable here. Headline even mean. Klopp likely the same with his players as he is with the media. They are like doubling down uh, on their stance on Klopp, which yesterday Craig Burley in the United West Ham match just decided to go off on Klopp. And then it came out today, all the stuff about his mom. And I guess ESPN News or ESPN FC is like, you know what? No, he's still a piece of... Yeah, like ESPN FC. I mean, I I get it. ESPN is the the biggest, most notorious uh, clickbait media company there is. Like ESPN is a garbage clickbait uh, media company. Um, considering they will throw any money in the world at Stephen A. Smith, you know, like just so he could generate headlines for him because he's a master of that. Um, so it makes sense that they would be like, okay, no, this guy universally, you know, loved and and respected in soccer circles. We have to attack him because that's going to draw a lot of attention to us. Yeah. And uh, it's not, I mean, it's just, it's not real journalism and it never has been real journalism at ESPN FC, but it's just interesting to see it right now when it's like every single person they have that is is making comments now well welcome to another episode of you'll never talk alone your friend joseph craven here joined by alex level and uh in the the shadow of the absolute devastating uh what last 20 15 20 minutes of the matchup against manchester city um that uh we're we're now finally finding it in ourselves um the willpower to sit down and record this episode. Ignore the fact that we always record on Wednesday evenings. That has nothing to do with it. We're we've been in mourning since Sunday. Um, actually, oddly enough, my 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 father-in-law texted me this morning. This is how my day started. He's driving to work, and he texted me and he goes, "I finally got around to watching the replay of the match. Did you guys go like check back Allison into like?" the doctor's office to get his head checked or something afterwards. <laughs> and I was like, probably yeah. shut up. <laughs> so yeah, a weird one, a weird one. Indeed. Um, we kind of texted about it a bit, Alex, but um, you know, a, a matchup where out of all the things that have been going wrong for us in the past several weeks, the couple of areas that had not been finally did. So it's like, this this was it. This was like, all right, we held it together in all these areas, and now the final, you know, straw comes in to break the camel's back. So, a lot to talk about with that match, with um, some weird uh, Harvey Elliott uh, transfer news, <laughs> which is bizarre to talk about. We'll we'll touch on that just a little bit, along with some other things to discuss um, on this episode. So I guess uh, first things first, well, I'll tell you what, first things first, uh, I think the most important thing that we can talk about and, and before we get anywhere else is, of course, how much we at the podcast extend, you know, our um, deepest condolences to Jurgen Klopp and the loss of his mother, uh, how much we um, 
you know, obviously hate the entire situation with the fact that, I mean, due to the pandemic and due to, to travel restrictions, he, he can't just easily get home to, to be with family. I can't imagine how difficult that is on him and his uh, extended family um, and just how, how rough a situation it is. Um, so obviously we at the podcast, I mean, well wishes, condolences. Um, the loss of a loved one is difficult enough, even without everything going on in the world right now. Um, and we uh, definitely have him in our, our thoughts and prayers for sure. Um, that is the most important thing. And obviously the thing that overshadows anything football related yeah. <laughs> that we can talk about. Uh, so we'd be remiss if we didn't really start things off by, um, you know, just expressing uh, all of that to, to him, to, to his family uh, for sure. So with that being said, regrettably, we do have to talk now about uh, the match over the weekend, um, the big one. And honestly, Alex, a match that for most of it was a, a very good back and forth, two strong teams going at each other, evenly played matchup, right? Yeah, I mean, there are, uh, before the last 20 minutes, there are large parts of the match where you could say we were the better team, that we were in control and we were more likely to score. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, all the things that we could typically count on didn't end up working out for us. And the wheels just started coming off. Uh, and it became uh, apparent that the the thing that we've talked about every episode lately, I mean, it's it seems redundant, but it's the issue every time. <laughs> it's like we're, we're playing two midfielders at center back and we're playing mm-hmm. guys that have played 300 billion minutes in the yeah. past month and a half. And it finally caught up with us in a team like Man City who's been able to rotate. Um, and even at the beginning of the season, I mean, there's all the stuff – coming out now saying like oh Liverpool are just making an excuse because they have players injured City had players injured and look at them and it's like one they've have the depth that one billion pounds is able to buy you over the course of a couple years (laughs) right Uh, two I mean they haven't missed they've missed De Bruyne a bit not as long and as extended and as straightforward as we've missed Virgil Three, when you look back at the beginning of the season when they were not doing well, that was when they had their injury crisis. When they got over it, that's when they started clicking into place. I mean, you right. you look back at the start of the season when they're dropping points left and right and they're playing Thory Delap's son and a bunch of youth academy products and they're, they're not doing very well. Uh, and then four, you look at their domestic cup draws and they're playing like Chuckles and Blotherham FC and just some like random collection of British people 11 in the cup and we're playing all premier league teams essentially. So, I mean, a lot of things go in their way, but I mean, when they had to deal with the stuff we have to deal with, they struggled with it and yeah. we're struggling with it now. We've had, had it happen for so much longer than anybody else. And it's catching up to us. Yeah. Like, like I, if anyone could maybe <clears throat> relate on some level to the the loss of Virgil van Dyke, it would be, a team like City who did lose their best player in Kevin De Bruyne. But they also were a team that did not have to also lose Ilke Gundogan to injury and also Phil Foden and also like Riyad Mahrez. Like, can you imagine if they had the sheer amount of injuries um, that that we had been dealing with? Not just, and not just, you know, the amount, but the contributors – you know, uh, the particular like important players 
be out. You know, not only did we lose our best player in Virgil van Dyke as far as just like skill and importance to the team, but you know, we've had all of his backups out. Yeah. We've had, you know, so many midfielders or attacking players miss time, you know, even Allison missed time. And you have to wonder if, you know, he was uh fully fit and enough to come back and and uh be able to play over the weekend because you could just see it just like fatigue or mental fatigue, you know, happening. I mean, he with was all on too much cough syrup. That's basically what happened. They gave yeah. him NyQuil instead of DayQuil, and that's what happened. I mean, it just was so bizarrely uncharacteristic. Like, there's no real explanation that can we can think of other than, I, I guess, he was still sick and uh, his brain stopped <laughs> working, you know? But, like, there's... It's difficult to, um, it's difficult to to maybe say that you know, it is all comes down to injuries. Um, but so much of it continues to come down to injuries, and I think the people that that deny that it's a an injury thing, and you know, it's all, I just don't think they understand that it's not an excuse. Like <laughs> when you literally have lost four or five of your most important players at any, at any given point in time, and you're only just now at a position in which you're seeing players consistently return. Um, and then on top of that, the ones that have had to weather the burden, like at some point it does build up. And at some point you're going to see someone like Andy Robertson who does not make mistakes and does not miss any time in the league finally you know, get worked by Phil Foden. Like he just did. Like you could tell he was, he just couldn't do it. Like the, the, he looked like he was trying to trudge through mud. (laughs) Um, and, and Foden was able to take advantage of that, you know, like it obviously massive errors in the match, but like, you know, city players played really well. Foden really was that good. Now, is he Jesus on the pitch? Like people are making him out to be now, no, that is clickbait reactionary. You know, also a different uh, player. Jesus yeah. is a completely different player. <laughs> right? <he is. laughs> All right. Well, that's our episode. We'll see you. All right, we, that was it. The entire episode was just a build up to that. <laughs> um, but you know, like it, he was good. Foden was good. Uh, Gundogan, I thought, was amazing that match. Like, I get that Foden was really, really good, but like, okay, Gundogan, outside of the missed penalty, which was unbelievable hilarious just hilarious um he was like he controlled the midfield you know so um but all that being said like that yeah they they played really well and and you could just see once again where it was it's just we've dealt with a lot this season and i think that's just you know one of those things we have to we've been able to power through it pretty well but I, I think we've just finally hit the wall it seems like and it's just well you know that that was the 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 match in which we would at as much of our like mentality monsters type of mentality uh has carried us it could not carry us through that moment yeah i mean it, it was kind of like the the first match of the season um that we played against them um, I mean, including the missed penalty. I don't know what it is about City in this match, but they love to get penalties against us and they love to yeah. miss them. Yeah. It's a very weird thing, but I'm sure we're one 
step closer to seeing Ederson take a penalty, which I hate City, but I'm all for goalkeepers taking penalties. Uh, well, and you know, uh, honestly, there's a lot of people that would probably look at it and be like, oh yeah, I bet he's an expert penalty taker. <laughs> because he is the one player that like, like I'll I'll gladly throw respect to it, you know any individual player on Manchester City, like even like Raheem Sterling these days. You know, I'll, I will absolutely throw respect his way, um, especially just some of the like abuse from spectators he's had to deal with. But Ederson is not the guy I will ever <laughs> throw any respect to on that yeah. City team. I do not understand what the appeal of him is because every time I watch him, he's a a mediocre shot blocker who um, really, really enjoys to make the errors that Allison was roasted for <laughs> against. <Yeah. laughs> like, he he makes those errors all the time. So, anyway, that was just quick tangent. Didn't mean to cut you off, but... Um, but, yeah, I, I it's just... It was like the, the second half of that match that we played earlier in the season. Both teams just were spent in the second half. Yeah. The second half was absolutely awful. And that yeah. pretty much happened to us in this match, but it did not happen to City. Uh, and that is why they were able to just run away with it and have their way with us because we just were exhausted and spent and they were not. And it, it makes a huge difference when you're coming into, I mean, we're just over halfway through the season, but you're coming into this busy period. It's fun to say busy period, but like very crucial <laughs> period, especially for us uh, when you can have those fresh legs, um, but we don't and we can't. And we're mm-hmm. in the cycle of rushing people back and, they get injured again because they're rushed back and we're back to yep. where we started. Yep, absolutely. And I mean, I, I this is where you will, I mean, you'll see fatigue in any team um, that, you know, has to deal with the match congestion that happens in England in this, this time of the year. You'll see it in any team. It just so happens that it's very, very evident um, with us because we have not had the luxury of being able to really rotate anyone at all you know we're still putting nico williams on the bench um in matches like this because we just have to have bodies that fill out the rest of the bench so it's just one of those things you know like we're you know it it, there's been a whole lot that we've had to deal with and that that match this weekend really just kind of exemplified and amplified just about everything yeah Um, and i mean the nico williams mention is interesting because like he's as well as like having people injured it's just like not really worked out for him just yet like he's still a little too young to go yeah. to the first team but we clearly banked on him being a guy who could rotate with Trent and that's not really worked out and so Trent's had to play those additional minutes even having recovered from COVID and been injured mm-hmm. and I mean you look at a guy like Costa Samikas who made his debut in this match like 20 what is it 22 games into the season after being yeah. injured like that's insane so all these things yeah. we prepared and counted on to give us the depth and options needed in a season like this just either have been injured or haven't really worked out and so we're just stuck with what we've got and i can tell you right now from experience that recovering from covid takes a little (laughs) while (laughs) like today was uh i'm still in the recovery period for myself and thankfully i was never super sick or anything but the fatigue that people talk about in terms of recovering from it is real. Like today was a struggle for me to just like get out of bed and get moving. So I can't imagine what it's like 
when you are a person whose entire livelihood <laughs> is to be at the top of your physical peak yeah. <laughs> and competing like that to try to come back um, from anything uh, COVID related and and try to perform at at a top level for sure. Now I do have to ask you this: uh, we've talked a lot about how much of the uh, match was kind of a you know a a result of injury, match congestion, fatigue, all of the stuff that we've been plagued with as well. But there were moments like where, you know, Asin didn't play super well, uh, you know, as it went on. And and we mentioned kind of, you know, Andy was showing some uh, fatigue as well. But was there anything in this match in particular that you look at as being... Because we're, we're not invulnerable from playing poorly, obviously. Mm-hmm. We've played poorly against... Brighton and Burnley and all of that. Was there anything in, indicative in all of this that is uh, kind of just, you think, indicative of um, us playing poorly more so than being a result of some of these issues? Because I wonder if there's anything out of this match in particular um, that might have kind of been, you know, a, a up to poor form and less due to injury and fatigue from what you were looking at. I think it, there's... Part of it that comes down to the midfield balance, uh, and that is a bit of a knock-on effect from the fatigue and the position adjustments, but it absolutely killed us that Tiago was booked two minutes in. I mean, you could see it affected his entire performance for the rest of the match. He didn't really Which want to a, challenge. Which was a sloppy anything. move on his part. Why Why did he do what he did two minutes in? You know, like I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, he's, he's not the best tackler, and a lot of his tackles at Bayern Munich were much more due to reading the game and getting in a good position and like playing the percentages. Uh, but this was very much a, an attacking midfielders challenge. Um, yeah. and, it, and it kind of comes down to him not necessarily having what you would consider, uh, well, one, like a smart decision in that moment, but two, <laughs> like having the assurance that there's a more solid defensive midfielder behind him. Like there's a lot of people doing things and, our midfield three right now, then when they're stretched thin, uh, that they're not necessarily the most comfortable doing. And it ends up affecting their play, affecting their decision-making, affecting where they are on the pitch at all. Um, and you you didn't really see him influence the game like he has before. I mean, he's also been injured for half the season. He's probably still right. working his way back to fitness. I mean, we forget he's we've played a ton of games, but he hasn't really played that much overall with the team. He's still it's learning. It's really just been team. the past month, essentially. Yeah, and so he didn't have the influence on the game. Genie looks like he is just out of energy, and I don't blame him. Like, him and Andy have played more minutes than exists. Like, if they if they could play 65 minutes in an hour, they've done it because they, they just play so much. <laughs> Like they don't, they have nothing left. Uh, and mm-hmm. I thought Curtis Jones was uh, the brightest spot. I and mean, obviously he's been one of the few people whose minutes we've been able to manage. And we had to take him off uh, like 60 minutes into the match as part of that fitness management, I guess. Um, I guess that was a, yeah. a, a head scratcher to me because I thought that he was, um, I thought that was one of the major uh changing moments of, of the game. That was one of the major points in which things shifted because I thought he played a great game and was yeah. very, very promising. And not a knock to James Milner at all, but Milner is was not Milner's not the type of player that produces what Curtis had been producing up until that point. Yeah. And I mean Milner at this stage in his career, we love him, but this we've counted on him a lot more than we 
should have needed to uh, this season. And putting him on in a match like this didn't seem like the right fit, but we understand that there's some decisions that had to be made based around fitness and maybe performance. And just mm-hmm. because we, now we know there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on in personal life. And maybe you're not at the top of your game decision wise, because your mind is elsewhere, which is totally yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, it didn't really help us <laughs> to have that sub made, but I mean, I, I don't, I mean, we were in it. That's the, mm-hmm the optimistic part without really playing that nece- that well necessarily, not nearly as well as we're used to us playing, but I, I don't know where it's, it's going to be hard to, to fix something like this when there's just so much stuff that is built up. But I mean, there, there's some things we can definitely do going into this Leicester match to make positional changes at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, what it was, a there's just so much of it that's, a result of so many factors building up. And then just at the end of the day, also like a, a really good Manchester city team who's hitting their stride more mm. and more, um, wearing us down until eventually <laughs> Allison just forgets what sport this is or what his job is. That was just, have you ever seen anything so bizarre as a, an absolute world-class goalkeeper I mean, not to make light of the Loris, Loris Carius, you know, uh, Champions League final or whatever, but slip to that level of just like massive mistakes. Have you ever seen anything quite like that? Not so quickly back to back like that. I mean, that, that whole mm. run of play just totally broke me. And I mean, we were talking in the group chat and like, I know you made a joke and I it just like didn't comprehend <laughs> what you were saying, because I was like, what is happening right now? I don't understand how this, what just happened could have happened. And then what just happened, happened again, what, like five minutes later, it was just absolutely mind blowing. And I, I know he was sick, but that's just, it just, of course it would happen because everything that could go wrong is going wrong this year. So of course something like that would happen. And of course it ends up being a whole thing and not Mm -hmm. just a one-off. It's uh that's why I think you know it, it stood out to me as oh okay yeah we've navigated um not having any center backs we've navigated our uh um not having anyone who can make you know incisive uh offensive attacking runs um against teams that play defense like a like you know Brighton and uh or I mean more more so Burnley and all and West Brom and all that um we've navigated all of those things and so of course now, in a match in which like we're, we've kind of weathered all of that, and we, we're you know we're right there trying to compete for a top spot still, and all of a sudden something we always know we can count on, a player we can always count on, makes these massive errors. It was just I think that's why it was so shocking to all of us, and that's why I pointed it out that it's just out of everything that we've been going through, that is now yeah. <laughs> the issue that popped up. Um, and I, you know, I do wonder or I worry a little bit maybe about, you know, his confidence moving forward because um, uh, goalkeeping is such a, a, a mental thing um, that it could be real easy. I mean, shoot, just look at everything that has gone on with David De Gea at <laughs> Manchester United. You know, the moment he lost any confidence at all, well, 
they also happen to have a really good keeper behind him who is trying, you know, challenging him to take that spot. But you know, he lost confidence at all, and he just he's never been the same player um, that he was a few years ago, in which he was, you know, the only reason they had any success um, a few seasons ago. And I just wonder how much of that might affect Allison. It's going to be pretty telling, I think, moving forward into that Leicester City match. Um, let's let's actually go ahead and address a bit of that Leicester City match real quick. Um, since it, uh, or the, you know, everything upcoming in general, <laughs> um, because I, I got to pull up all the, all the fixtures to remember the dates properly in my mind. Um, uh, one of them's now, the <laughs> right? other game is going on right now. One of them is already happening. Yeah. And then the match that's after that <coughs> is also happening at the same time. There's just like four goals out on a field right now and yep. teams are just running around wildly. Um, yeah, yeah, still four matches to go in the month of February. The Leicester match this Saturday, and then, of course, Champions League, the one that has been um, officially moved to, to Budapest, correct? Yes. Um, uh, against Leipzig on the 16th, Merseyside Derby on the 20th, and then a matchup against Sheffield, who, I don't know, bad teams in the Premier League are playing well right now for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, so, and after their history earlier this season with the five sub stuff, I'm sure after what he's going through, Chris Wilder is the last person that Jurgen Klopp wants to have to deal with. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Ho- if we've hit any sort of like a return to form by then, <laughs> I um, I honestly fear for Chris Wilder's life <laughs> if Jurgen Klopp gets, you know, anywhere near him after the match if he's worked up. So but so much going on. Like, what what do we have to do? Um, you know, coming out of and trying to rebound from what happened against Man City. What do we have to do besides actually play some of the center backs we signed? Uh, I mean, that's a huge one. Uh, it's kind of fitting that Leicester is the next match after such big goalkeeping errors for Allison because the Leicester match when he first signed that was kind of the first error that he had for us when he tried that Cruyff turn and it led to a goal. Oh, yeah. And it, it, he didn't lose confidence after that. Everyone was basically like, just keep doing what you're doing because then the next week against Brighton, he like doinked it over one of their players and was immensely confident and he just ended oh, up yeah. being who he has been. So I think it, it, he can look back at that time looking ahead to this match and be like, actually – that was just a one-off. I'm actually still really good, yeah. even when I'm sick. So I, I, I'm hoping that he will just brush it off and still play with that confidence because we need him to play with that confidence because it's so key to how we play. Uh, and also he has uh, to look over his shoulder and see Quivin Kelleher, who stepped in very well while, out, mm-hmm. while he was out multiple times and is a, a very good goalkeeper that could actually challenge. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not to Allison's level yet at all, but he's good enough right. to play a game if needed. So that will motivate us. And also, like you mentioned, let's play one of the center backs, if not both, that we signed because we're we're missing the midfielders and midfields. We're missing the, the shape that we typically have. We're missing the ability to have our fullbacks just stay forward because them being forward requires our defensive mid, who's arguably the best in the world, and our two mm. normal center backs who are arguably the best in the world to be there and cover up. And that's what we, that was our bread and butter for when we were those three years, we were immensely successful. Well, 
two years, really, because <laughs> half of the defense <laughs> when we got really good was not that great. Right. But it's just something that is so crucial to how we want to play, and we don't have that. And if we can have that with the people that we trust enough to spend money on, then that would be great and help us overall, but also maybe even allow us to play some of the people that haven't played 200,000 minutes in the past season. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a question I want to pose to you. I don't know if you had a chance to see kind of Jamie, uh, Jamie Carragher breaking down kind of the, the minutes played uh, on, I guess it was Monday night football where he was kind of going through the team and looking at like, this is why, (laughs) this is why this player isn't going after ball. This is why when a ball went over Andy Robertson's head, he didn't go get it because he was just exhausted. And like, you see that he's played, 94% 94% of the available minutes since he's been like a starter and Gino yeah, and all yeah. like 85 something. So do you, and it's, but that has also led to other discussions about, well, is this just a cycle coming to an end for a team? Because it's been three years and the team that was in Kiev is now basically the same team we're still playing with. So are you thinking this is just pure fatigue or do you think there's something more like this is the end of the of this era of Liverpool a little bit when it comes to some of these players being involved. Well, I mean, obviously, with a lot of the moves that we've made um, uh, recently, with uh, making such an emphasis not just this season but other seasons in uh, bringing in younger academy guys like a Harvey Elliott who, you know, is in the headlines right now because that uh, that fee was finally worked out. You know, between a Harvey Elliott and uh, um, uh, the kid from Darby that we just signed, whose name I've drawn Cade a blank on. Cade Gordon, I think his name was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and there was a, another uh, an art- article that I feel like was a James Pierce article, might have been someone else, talking about, like, who those four um, base academy guys that we've gotten in the past uh, – you know, a couple of months, who they are and why it's significant that we are, you know, planning for the future because obviously we've got players that are getting older. Um, kind of what you're saying. Like, I don't think this is an end of an era type of thing quite yet because all of these key players are still in their prime. Um, the only maybe end of an era is, you know, the obvious Genie Wijnaldum, whether he's going to want to leave, some, go somewhere else to to finish his prime on another team, you know, type of situation. Everyone else, I, I think ultimately this is, I mean, this is still the the same team as Kiev, yes. That's not a bad thing by any stretch, you know. I think these are still a lot of really phenomenal players that um, when everything is back to the way it's supposed to be, um, will be able to, to, to bounce back from uh, what is going on. Because... You know, I, I've said it a lot in the past several weeks on the podcast, um, but, you know, Jurgen Klopp is a manager whose mentality is primarily it's plan A and there is no plan B. Um, that also goes, you know, hand in hand with the situation that we've been in, where right now we're having to makeshift our way through a plan A. And I understand that you can't, bring in a guy from Preston and a guy from the Bundesliga and then expect them to go out and play against the the best team in the top team in, in England right now instantly, you know, like a couple of days after they arrive, basically. I understand that you can't 
you can't do that. But the sooner that we can get true center backs playing center backs so that Fabinho and Henderson are in the midfield again, I think you're going to see an instant impact um, as far as that goes. Uh, I mean, instant impact. And then it, I mean, I'm just, I'm salivating at the thought of Fabinho, Hindo, and Tiago in the midfield. Yeah. Um, not just because of all the, the Hindo, Tiago, uh, Fabinho, um, how well that flies off the, the tongue with everything ending in an O. Um, but, you know, just like the, what all they can bring as far as complementing each other. Um, there's so much of that. And I think that, that you know, the Tiago signing is, you know, indicative of what's probably going to go on with, with Jeannie Wijnaldum and how Tiago is, like, an, obviously going to try to replace, like, that particular position that Jeannie might have, you know, would play for us um, so that he can feel free to go wherever he wants to spend the rest of his career. And I don't, I don't blame him for wanting to see the world while he's still in his prime, <laughs> right? You know, why not? And, um, but... But yeah, so you know, I don't, I don't. It's a valid question to wonder how much longer this particular team has where they are. But I think that's a reason why we're making it a point to also say, okay, all right, well, that's fine. We're also going to bring in a into into you know in his prime, but still fairly young Diogo Jota, you know, a just now twenty year old you know Kabak, uh, you know, and. We're gonna bring in a you know these guys, all these academy kids. Like we're gonna we're gonna have the blend that you need. Um, and I mean, you look at Manchester City. It was just a few years ago that Manchester City got a little too old <laughs> mm-hmm. and didn't quite have the blend. Um, and we're just trying to avoid that. And I think that we are doing a good job of you know having a. Okay, yeah, the established Mane, Firmino, Salah up front, and then putting in a Curtis Jones behind him. And it's this 20-year-old who is a great attacking midfielder right now and will only get better, and having that that proper blend going on. And I think that um, it just is one of those things that the plan got derailed. The plan was to start blending in the new players with the old so that it just is a, a machine that keeps going. I think to an extent mimicking what we see with the German national team about how they're very good at the established veterans and working in the youngsters so that every every piece just can be taken out, put back in, all of that. Our pieces are just having to play in entirely the wrong positions all the time. <laughs> and I think that's very telling. And I think that while it's, it's valid to wonder how much longer we have with this particular team, it's also super promising to know that we're we're making the right moves. Um, it seems to to have the team prepared for three or four years from now when everyone is getting out of their prime. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I I agree completely. Like I I don't think this is a discussion that anyone's really having if we don't have this weird season that leads to the situation that we're in right now because we did right. set ourselves up really well to keep the players that made us successful around and involved while also adapting and growing as a team. Uh, And we just also have not really been able to do that because we purchased these pieces to use and then they break immediately and are out for months. So we haven't really been able to see that. Uh, Additionally, like this is, while this is the same players that 
were involved in that and have been so core to us, they're not even the same team because they're playing all over the place, like you mentioned, yep. they're filling in different roles. Uh, and then finally, Carragher said it himself, like Klopp doesn't really like to rotate, uh, but also Klopp wouldn't have won what he won with us had he rotated more because this is the team that was able to get him there. So yeah. I, I I think it's a bit uh, a bit too early. And I know t- like elite teams do go in cycles, but I feel like it's a bit too early to maybe necessarily say this Liverpool cycle is over, but also the situation now kind of expedited the end of the cycle in a sense, because now we're just putting all this extra effort and workload into the legs of the people that were part of the, the core part of that cycle. We're not able to use anything new to continue and elongate that cycle. So it's very frustrating, but again, it comes back down to everyone being injured and us missing eight players on average per game. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like I don't get too worried when I think about honestly, the, the position group that you see the biggest drop off in like as far as age goes you know is in attack um Mm -hmm. wingers and especially strikers like the moment a striker hits 30 years old i don't know what it is they're they're suddenly useless unless they're just happen to be like one of the best in the world it is insane to me how quickly age affects someone like that um but it's not something that you know we have to necessarily work about because you look at it and Mane and Salah are both still only 28, you know, and not just 28, but like they also happen to be like hardworking physical freaks, stay in incredible shape, which fits their style of play well, which is, you know, all that. Firmino, he's the oldest one of that group at 29. His style of play is not, you know, a true striker style of play. So it probably is a a style of, of a play style that will last him. A little bit longer. So if that's kind of the the core group that you would think would show the biggest drop off as they get older, probably still not something to necessarily worry about for two more years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it's it's still kind of promising to know that this is still a team that yeah, I mean that it they can't last forever, but it should probably get back to at least very close to where it was when we were <laughs> the. The best team in the world, obviously clear cut. Yeah, um, you know it should get back to pretty close to that level if if things, uh, you know, if players can get back healthy, if the new additions contribute the way that we think that they probably should. You know, it's still it's still promising. You know, it's weird. This is an established team, but it's still a promising team because we know that they, they can get back to to where they're supposed to be. So all that to say, to answer your question, no, I didn't see what Carragher had said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it might have been lost in him posting memes of himself right. uh, with his goat moan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, by the way. I love yeah. those, those videos. I could watch those all day. Oh, we, man. We needed it. We did. We did. I've never quite been sure how I feel about Carragher as a uh, as a pundit, because um, there's some times in which I'm like, yeah, like he's absolutely like dead on with it. There's some times in which I'm like, man, he can't separate his love of Liverpool <laughs> from doing trying to do his job, and it, it kind of shows. Um, but I, I, you can never deny the man's sense of humor, so that's always fun. It's always good for sure. Um, real quick, let's talk about a couple of quick points um, before we. Uh, Focus again on 
you know, down the road and maybe make a little bit of predictions what we think might happen in the next few matches. Um, we mentioned the Harvey Elliott situation, finally drawing to a close a deal that uh, sees about what 1.3 million pounds out of pocket right now with possibility that at max it'll rise to about 4.3 million. Fulham was asking for like 10 million. <laughs> out of, I forget if it was dollars in the article I was listed or if it was about 10 million pounds. I think it was uh, Dogecoin. <laughs> hey man, I love the Doge. I'm a huge, I'm a definite chibe to the moon, baby. Um, so uh, it was 10 million, you know, was the number they were looking for. It was not that, but uh, what do you think of the ramifications of this deal kind of ending up? Um, I think you said it well in a, in a text thread with all of us that it definitely the price rose a little bit because of his current form. <laughs> but what do, you, what do you think the ramifications of this, knowing that this is a, a team and an ownership group that um, hates the idea of money <laughs> leaving the hands at all? I, they're furious. They're, mm. There's chairs being thrown. Uh, they're, I don't know, they're grabbing baseball bats and just destroying, they're office spacing their computers right now. <laughs> it's just just fury from FSG right now. But I, yeah, it's one, I had forgotten this was still going on until last week when one of the journalists brought it up and was like, oh yeah, the tribunal's next week. Like, what? This was two years ago. Why are we still talking about this? Uh, and then he two, was 16 when it happened. He's an old man now. Yeah, <laughs> he's played 200,000 minutes right. this season, and he's a seasoned veteran. But I, I, I really just hope that his current form didn't influence the price in any way because that seems pretty garbage. Like that's not how that's supposed yeah. to work. Nope. You don't sign someone for money, and then that player does really well. Like imagine if Inter had come two years after we signed Coutinho and be like, actually, it seems like he's worth more now. So we would like more money than yeah. what you paid us. Like, no, that's just not how it works. So I really hope that didn't happen. Glad it's over. Didn't realize it was still going on. Hopefully there's no more surprise tribunals coming down the road for players <laughs> we signed. I'm glad you're here on this episode, Alex, because surprise, I've got a tribunal for you right now. Live no! on here. <laughs> um, yeah, it was so funny to I, I was like at I was working and I'm like walking around like thinking about something and I get a little like buzz on my, you know, phone about like a headline and I take a look at it and it's like Fulham wants 10 million for Harvey Elliott. And I was like is this a different Harvey Elliott? Yeah. Um is there another guy that I I forgot like uh is, what's going on here? So it's so weird. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's drawn to a close. I will say, you know, I'm glad that it was not up to a $10 million range or 10 million pound range, you know. That just, would that would be like, with the way the, the week is going, the way that the weekend went, you know, it just, that would feel like the biggest slap in the face. Um, because, I mean, ultimately it is just like a little over 1 million that actually leaves our hands right now. Mm -hmm. And that, Perfect. That is roughly what the deal was supposed to be two years ago. You know, about when we, that's fine. I, you know, we can kind of we can deal with the add-ons later on. I'm glad that it that it was not super like price gouging at the end of the day because otherwise it would we'd be you know looking at it and go oh ten million there goes our entire summer transfer budget oh man for the next five years for the next. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm just glad glad it's done because hopefully, hopefully it means that like maybe now we're like okay, we're gonna recall him from love. Yeah. Oh yeah, we forgot about him. <laughs> we just like like we were keeping him down there for a little bit longer so that maybe you wouldn't notice and try to drive up the price more. <laughs> no, we never bought him. He plays for Blackburn. Have you yeah. Seen what are you talking about? Talk to them about a few. Yeah. They're the ones. So, yeah, definitely glad that it, it is behind us now. Along with that, of course, you know, um, as, as we mentioned, uh, the other major headline would have been Jamie Carragher's um, memes that he's been sending out. Um, but you've already covered that. so <laughs> I couldn't resist. They were yeah. just too good. And he keeps coming with them. He keeps coming. No, the only other major headline outside of all that, of course, being uh, that the Champions League um, matchup against Leipzig actually has a location again, um, and it will be um, in what is the historic um, city of, of Budapest, I, a place I would I would love to visit sometime. And I think that our friend Zach Osborne has been before, and uh, we'll have to ask him what uh, what to do for fun in Budapest. I guess for when yeah, we have, if, ever go. If you went there with him, you would be Danube in that situation. So this has been You'll Never Talk Alone. I'm just cutting it. Cutting it. Unbelievable. Anyway, it has a neutral site venue. Um, it is uh, still, you know, in a way, an, an away match. So I, I feel like the, the goal in any sort of away first leg is hold on, see if you can keep it nil-nil. Um, if you can get a goal, great, but you know, at the very least get a nil nil and, and let, you know, go from there or something like that. But why, how do you think this affects, um, you know, our, our approach to it, especially because we're still having a kind of real or, or bounce back from so many, um, injury problems and all the stuff that we've been dealing with. We haven't even (laughs) had a chance to put any of our center backs in. (laughs) So, uh, what do you think the mentality has to be going into a match like this? It's. I mean, we got to treat it like uh, a normal away match. Probably, it's not like we're going to. I mean, if anything, we've lost a bit of an advantage since this. The numbers have shown that home field advantage is a lie uh, in lockdown. <laughs> so, I mean, if anything, they've gained a boost by also being an away team. Uh, the it's a little bit extra travel, just no fun. Uh, although it seems like, I mean, I don't. You will not believe this, but I have not been following the Hungarian league very often. So I wow. didn't know if any of their just matches, not a good game. year for you or something. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's the, the crop of talent just didn't really, didn't really do it for me. <laughs> I mean, fair and far looking like a bunch of scrubs in the champions league. So uh, I, I just refuse to watch, but I, I don't know if any of their matches got snowed out this weekend, but I know quite a few in Germany and the Netherlands did. So I don't know if that helps us like I, to just have a little bit better weather. And we're not playing in just awful blizzard conditions that now seem to be making their way to Texas this next week. So that should be fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just new new place for us to go. Interesting preparations. I, I think it doesn't really change the task ahead of us very much other than just adjusting our routine around the extended travel time. It's going to be weird. Um, and also the fact that so many other matches are being moved to neutral sites because of COVID. Seems like maybe it's not the best idea to be having these matches if hmm. we're having to make all these adjustments and hmm. other people aren't allowing teams to enter their country because of it. So I 
just a hunch. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a tough game because that's all we seem to have now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was going to be tough either way. Um, it, it almost, yeah, I do feel like maybe it, it doesn't matter as much um, if it's a neutral site or not this year because everything is a neutral site. <laughs> you know, every match is a neutral site. The only way that it really makes a difference is like if you get a quote-unquote away goal yeah. um, and that's it. But I wonder if it's going to affect them to have to travel to, um, you know, a, what is supposed to be a, a, a home match. Um I'm going to look up the mileage of, of how far away Leipzig, Germany is from Budapest. Um, about seven, almost 800 kilometers away. So not nearly as far as we will have to travel, but that still is, you know, uh, about, you know, that's 400 miles. <laughs> yeah. um, so still several hours away from home, basically. And that does have some sort of effect on players having to travel at all. So I wonder if that will affect them. Um, at all to also have to be traveling. But you know, again, I wonder, like the question is, you know, comes back up of, okay, what about when March 10th rolls around and they're supposed to travel here? Like what's the German government going to say about them coming yeah. back? Are, yeah. are we going to have to find an, another neutral site, <laughs> you know, to, to hang out with each other once again in, in a month? I don't know. So it's going to be, it's going to be weird. That's going to be interesting. The ramifications of it outside of the match itself, I think, are some of the most interesting um, aspects of this, uh, for sure. So it'll be, it'll be weird, it'll be weird. But all right, looking forward then to this weekend and then that Leipzig match. What are we going to have to do, Alex, to to right the ship? What are we, <laughs> what what are we going to have to do to bounce back to being anything resembling the team that we once were? The good news is this is one of the few matches we've had an actual week to prepare for. So going out of the FA Cup, really a blessing. We said that before. Say it again. Definitely a blessing. I mean, Leicester just played today and it went down to the wire. So they will have that extra workload. James Justin went off injured. Uh, I mean, you hate to see that happen to someone, but they might be without him this weekend. So a, a lot of good things coming out of us not advancing in the FA cup. Yeah. Uh, and it might give us more of a chance to actually deal with some of the issues that we've been dealing with, like why yeah. the play is stuttering, why we keep falling into this robotic pattern of doing things when we're uh, up against it. And how do we beat a team that plays in a certain way? Because I mean, we, we laugh at Braj a bit, but he's a good manager, and I mean, mm-hmm. he has a point to prove, having been just decimated by us every time his team looks good and plays us in the past few years. So I, I think he will see if he has evolved to the point where he's not too proud to play in a certain manner to try to get some points on us because I mean, we're competing with them for top four right now. Yeah, uh, And I... I Next week, we just got to play one of our center backs, if not both. We, <laughs> right. we, we, we just got to do it. We got to get our midfielders back in midfield. <laughs> I imagine it will just be Kabak coming in, uh, not Kabak and Davies, but who knows? We've had a whole week. That's like a year in COVID season. So like that's that could be enough time for them to get an understanding, but I have a feeling it'll be Fabinho and Kabak uh, with Henderson moving back in midfield. But that just having that one extra option in midfield gives us uh, a – 
I mean, factorials. We've all done factorials in school. That's what we're about to have in midfield <laughs> uh, with an extra person in there. So that'll be exciting to see. But yeah, I, the, the biggest thing we could have done probably is just not train for two days. Maybe just talk about stuff, tactical sessions, not actually be out there on the pitch and just let the legs rest because, man, have we needed that. And we just need a break, need some time to decompress I mean, the team needs it. The fans need it. Uh, everyone just needed a break from Liverpool playing games. And so I think that will help us more than anything uh, going into this match against Leicester. It's, yeah, I think that's a great point of just the fact that this is the first time in forever that we've had actual time at all, you know, not just for rest and recovery, but also actual time for preparation. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be huge. Uh, I just, you know, I do wonder what you were just saying. Like, it, would it would it be more impactful to move Henderson back into the midfield or Fabinho back into the midfield um, because of just what they typically bring, um, what they typically uh, just like, or what, not just what they typically bring, but also the, what, like their different play styles, how they, I mean, Fab being a, a true number six. And, and as we mentioned, uh, in the last episode, I think Hindo, for whatever reason, just not being a good number six, even though he's actually <laughs> held his own well as a makeshift center back. Uh, so, you know, I just wonder what the decision will be with all of that. And it's also, you know, kind of one of those things to, to recall that we talk about it now about what the decision might be when chances are they'll both be playing center back again. <laughs> Mane Salah center back pairing. That's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to say. We're going to get the, the newest, get the fastest play, players that we could possibly find to be our center backs. Why not? Why not? Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, who knows? But, um, but yeah, it's, so it's going to be good to have preparation because then we can actually feel maybe a little bit more comfortable getting back to who we normally are and what we're, we're trying to, to do as a team and the, the lineups that we would like to, to play. So, um, again, this is, a, this is a terrible stretch of the season, not just for match congestion, but also the types of matches. I mean, to have United not long ago and City this past weekend, and um, it just kind of makes you realize a little bit more, you know, I don't know if the, if the term trap game ever gets thrown around in, in soccer at all, but it's more of an American football thing. But when you have a bunch of matches, uh, when you have a bunch of games, you know, against top opponents um, that are like sandwiching a bad opponent or a lesser opponent, like say a Brighton and Hove Albion, um, it's really easy to fall into the trap of maybe looking too far ahead. And uh, I, you know, looking back now, I wonder how much of that might have been happening as well of just not necessarily looking too far ahead because I don't think we're the type of team to do that, but to be like, oh man, we've got City coming up. Oh man, we've got Leicester. Oh man, we've got Champions League starting. Back. Oh man, we've got a Derby coming up. And to maybe just not be as mentally present um, against a team like a Brighton or a Burnley or a West Brom, something like that. So that makes me wonder as well. So yeah, little rest, preparation. Should hopefully go a long way. I guess we'll find out this weekend now, won't we? <laughs> um, are you feeling uh, any sort of confidence just kind of knowing that Brendan Rodgers is not a manager to play 
defense at all. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> not even a defensive style. I just don't think he knows or cares what defense is. Yeah, I, I, that will definitely help us, as we've talked about. Any team that comes out to try to play against us is going to get got. Uh, and he always seems to do that against us, and we always get him. So I, everything about this match seems to point to us winning, but that doesn't really exist anymore. So I, I'm as confident as I can be without actually being confident. So I, I don't, I don't know. And you mentioned like what, what do we get more out of um, switching, pushing Fabinho or Henderson back into midfield? Uh, I think what we'll end up doing because Fabinho was at the start of the season our fourth choice center back is we'll leave mm-hmm. him. But if when we get Henderson back in the midfield, we get a lot more of those intangibles that he brings to the squad back uh, because he just he isn't able to be that the captain and the leader that everybody loves about him. Like every everybody respects that he's a good captain, and we don't get to see that as much when he's filling in at center back because he can't do the things that he does when but we do hear him yeah <laughs> he's still just it's, as vocal it's, yeah it's just unfortunately it's not the same it's not him being able to to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and rest control back towards us we yep. completely missed that against city and i feel like if we get him in the midfield it's more likely that we're able to do that so that's probably why he'll end up getting pushed back into midfield but at the same time that makes a lot of sense and we just bought some center backs, so that naturally means that Fabinho and Henderson will be the center back pairing for this match. Absolutely, no question. Um, I don't think there's any any reason to believe that we would ever, ever play any of the center backs that we just <laughs> went out and got. No, not a chance. All right, it'll be interesting to see what we do this weekend for sure. Um, it is for all of the billing that the uh, – the the city match got as a oh it's a it's a must win for Liverpool if they want to have a title it's a must win I think this match is even more important because this is the opportunity to you know to battle obviously another like top four team in Leicester but a team that I, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of people will still overlook as far as how good they have been last season and currently this season still not getting that much credit. And so I think this is our chance to be able to, you know, to prove that, yeah, like we can still um, hang with the teams that you don't think we can hang with, but, you know, uh, or hang with the teams that, you know, maybe we would, you think we should overlook or something, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting, Uh, especially because like, who knows, like, I think just about everyone agrees that United is probably not going to stay in second place. I just, it's so funny to me that even when they were number one, how everyone was just like, yeah, I mean, they're doing really well right now. City's going to catch them. Yeah. But, I mean, they're doing really well right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of was like, they're not going to hold on to first. Yeah, It just won't happen. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be curious. To see, I'm curious to see what happens with Leicester in particular as the season goes on and whether Brendan Rodgers works a little bit more of that, uh, you know, kind of cocky charm that he's got um, and, and keeps them uh, flying a little bit higher than maybe they deserve to be. So it'll be very interesting. So piggybacking off of that, obviously we've talked just a little bit about um, Leipzig in terms of how it officially has a a location, that match against them, and how um, we think it'll impact the team to have to play uh, a quote-unquote neutral site, quote-unquote away game that may or may not matter because there won't quote-unquote be anybody there. Um, (laughs) So that matchup, though, 
What do we know about that team, um, and what do we think we'll be facing when we go up against them on Tuesday? Uh, I mean, they've comfortably been the second-best team in Germany this season. Uh, They're incredibly solid all around the pitch. When they're on their day, they can beat anybody. Uh, they've coped without having Werner quite well. Uh, they're not necessarily replacing him with a straight-up striker, uh, which is good for us because we train against that every day with Bobby. Uh, they've they invested some of that in Alexander Sorloth, who was good last season. That hasn't really worked out. Their best bets have really been playing midfielders at striker uh, or like having Yusuf Poulsen run around. Uh, they should put midfielders at center back. I think they'll find that to be a pretty interesting <laughs> tactic. Yeah, they might end up trying that because that is the one thing that could kind of work in our favor is that Nagelsmann has the bit of pep about him where he will overthink the hell out of something uh, and end up doing something weird. Uh, especially based on their run of form lately, they dropped some points to Mainz, looked really bad. They're not great on set pieces, which would be good if we weren't also terrible at set pieces in an attacking sense. So I don't know if we'll be able to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most interesting battle uh, will be on our right, their left, with Mo and Trent versus Sabitzer and Angelino because uh, Sabitzer's been pushed back out wide where he's best and he's looking back at his best. Um, and that has allowed Christopher and Kunku to be a lot more influential in the mid in the middle of the park, but also they play a bit of a like a false ten as a left back, where Angelino is like their playmaker, but he's a left back and he's absolutely dangerous. I mean, he's just been a mainstay of everybody's fantasy team in the Champions League in the Bundesliga. He's just been fantastic, uh, which is good because he would have played for City had he stayed, and they don't need any more players like that on their team. So that'll be interesting. It's going to be a very tough matchup. Uh, they are a very good team. And the main thing to look out for is what the hell is Nagelsmann going to wear? Like, who knows what he's <laughs> going to turn up in? He's going to go out on the Hungarian town and pick up some just insane clothes and show up. I don't, I don't know what. I don't know what to expect. It's going to be weird. That's what I'm most looking forward to. The... the show within a show the the entertainment <laughs> within the match itself um what is Nagelsmann going to be wearing um that's the most I'm glad that you said that I'm glad so now our listeners know what to actually be looking for not the not the <laughs> 22 players on the pitch who cares who cares what have they ever done how have they ever dressed in their lives you know <laughs> oh man yeah, it's it's going to be a big one, a big next week before we uh, return to um, record the next episode. Two big matches between you know Leicester and Leipzig. Hopefully, have a lot more positives to talk about. Um, hopefully, the week of preparation and recovery uh, goes a long way for this team because God knows they need it. <laughs> <laughs> But we shall see. We will have uh, plenty more to talk about when we return to you next week's time. If you don't, if you don't not, do not follow us. There we go. If you don't follow us on Twitter already at YNTA Podcast, make sure you do. Because um, if you've got any thoughts, comments, uh, questions, anything that we should be talking about on the next episode as well, you know, send it our way. Absolutely do that. 
It's the best way to get in touch with us, um, especially considering uh, like the start of the year, I decided on Twitter to just like unfollow literally every everyone because I just didn't want to deal with Twitter anymore outside of the uh, the accounts that I run. So like I get on my Twitter <laughs> feed and it's literally just YNTA's Twitter account. All the stuff that we retweet and reply to is all I see on Twitter. So it's a lot easier for me to keep up with things if people get in touch with us. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good strategy or not, but I'm going for it. So, yeah. So send us a message. Uh, tell us what uh, what you're looking forward to or what you're looking for um, this match or, or this weekend as we get into these matches. So I'm your friend, Joseph Craven, and that is Alex Lebel. Alex, thank you, as always, for being um, the smart one on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have me. God. You're, you're terrible tonight. You just You're just terrible tonight. Like, I don't even have the desire to do our whole Andrew Ainsworth joke, but I feel like I need to mention him anyway. Andrew, sign us out. Yay. Just go home, Alex. 